Japan by River Cruise is made possible. Thanks to you. Thanks so much for supporting us this year. Let's start the show. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to laugh and sing a slaying song tonight. Oh, na 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 Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. Hello, ho, ho, ho. I'm Ollie Horn. And Brian. Hi, guys. Okay. And this week is our end of the year Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, New Year, and Halloween holiday blowout. Yeah, and I think if we try hard enough, we can keep these festivities going until Valentine's Day, at least. Because <laughs> this, this is now the week, isn't it? If you're listening to this episode after having made your winter koi beetle, it's now too late to break up with them because it's too mean. You can't break up with them over New Year. It's too mean. They've got like a two-week buffer in January where you might be able to do it. But then by the time February, uh, February comes around, Valentine's Day stuff's down. All bets are off. Basically, your next opportunity is between that and White Day. Good luck. Ali, I am so glad. I'm so glad that you are back on the stand-up circuit. That has been, <laughs> Why? been my favorite thing about this year is that you're now back gigging and doing uh, stand-up gigs regularly. And you then get to run your half-baked ideas for new material <laughs> in the opening of the show. <laughs> do, you, do you wonder whether I might be saying this on stage tonight after I've given it a little bit more thought? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Anyway, Bobby, this is a bumper episode. What does that mean? It means that we are producing more content this week so we don't feel guilty about not producing shows for the next <laughs> few weeks. We've got we've got an absolutely amazing show. We have so many people who contributed to this. Uh, we've got messages from other podcasts and friends. We've got guest news rundowns. We've got uh, we've got we've got so much coming up. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be a long show. So what I'm what we're gonna recommend is. Uh, we want you to enjoy this show, right? So if you're about to listen to this on your phone or you've just like stuck it on in your car between a trip, stop, wait. We want you to make yourself a nice warm mug of cocoa. <laughs> uh, we want you to have some lovely snacks. Uh, we want you to sit down in your favorite chair and we don't want you to leave that chair until you've created a Japan by River Cruise crease. And as a show of good faith, uh, we don't want to make you wait to the very, very end or skip ahead to the very, very end, as you can do if you, if you so choose, to find out about our giveaways uh, for this episode. So we're going to go ahead and tell you right now, we are going to be giving away presents. We've got three merch sets. We've got, hi, my name is Loco and I'm a racist, a signed copy from author Brian McNeil. We've also got Anne Kilzer was so kind to go out of her way to, uh, in her calligraphy class, do us a version of the correct, the proper keen kanji for this year. Her calligraphy teacher was really confused. She was like, why would you want to write this kanji? And you were like, oh, because it's just for a podcast about river cruises. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I told her to say, don't worry. It's just for a joke about how Japan is a shitty country. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, there's that to win as well. Also, I've heard, Bobby, um, now this wasn't in the script, but I heard a rumor that also some barbecue sauces are available to win as well. Uh, no, they are not because we can't ship internationally and they won't be ready uh, to be shipped until next May. Nevertheless, should we take this opportunity for us to thank all the people that have supported your venture this year? Yes, there are podcast listeners within Japan and outside of Japan who chipped in for our crowdfunding. Uh, 
it went very, very well. Today was actually the day that uh, we bought the property. We closed. I now own it. I've got keys. Uh, and one of the local TV stations is going to do, uh, they're going to produce a Michaku uh, piece where they follow us around as we get ready to move in and renovate. And that, at the end of the day, is what it's really all about. <laughs> so with that, Bobby, shall we start the show? No. Uh, the, okay. po the point of announcing the giveaways was to tell people how they can get the giveaways now. Oh, right. So we're not going to tease them until the end. We're no. just going to tell them. That's why, oh, fine. That's All why right, I said, then. yeah, that's why I said right. we're going to tell you now. It's very charitable of you. Yeah. Uh, so to be eligible to, to get these giveaways, uh, you can go ahead and find your favorite episode of the show from this year or your favorite JBRC pod Twitter joke tweet from this year and share it on Twitter with a recommendation to listen and follow. And don't forget to tag us in it. Anyone who does that before the end of the year will get their name in a drawing for these prizes. Uh, the first name drawn gets a book, second gets the keen, and everyone else gets stickers. Second gets the keen. Gets the keen is not, doesn't sound like something you want to be doing this year. Uh, and if you're not in Japan, uh, you should expect your gift to be on a boat that takes a very, very long time to make it to you. Yes. Do you remember this time last year, Bobby, we sent New Year's cards yes. to see the people that appeared on the show, yep, and yep. some didn't arrive until September this year. Yeah. Um, now, what would we say to someone who said that this giveaway was just a cynical uh, Twitter land grab where we were just asking people to promote the show for our own benefit? Oh, well, it's a totally cynical land grab. But if you don't have Twitter, you don't need to have Twitter to be eligible. You can email us at buoys at com with a video of yourself forcing someone you know or don't know to listen to an episode. <laughs> That's obviously less cynical. Um, <laughs> also... <laughs> Also, it only seems fair to just say now, at this early stage in the show, when we're sure you are still listening, that later in the show we are going to ask you for money. Uh, so just going to, you know, it's only fair, we prime you for that now. Later on we're going to explain why we're going to be humbly begging. But we're going to get things started by first of all playing a clip which has been kindly sent to us by two of our Japan comedy podcast senpais. So, please enjoy. <laughs> John, 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 Sam, in Japan. So, John, we've just we've just recorded our podcast. I thought this might be a good time to uh, record the Christmas message for the J JBRC podcast. Uh, the guys Bobby and Ollie asked us they asked us to join in with their Christmas special. So, are you up for it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I have no idea what uh, our audience is supposed to be like language and content wise i'm kind of gonna go in here assuming it's for adults <laughs> <laughs> do, do do you listen to their podcast uh i've listened to one if i'm completely honest when it first started <laughs> uh, but i'm busy uh, that's that's gonna sting ollie and bobby it's good though I, I i listen to it i listen to it yeah regularly yeah well i love both of their stand-up um so i'm a big fan and supporter of them but obviously being in england i don't have time to listen to podcasts about sort of uh bisexual life in japan <laughs> what do you mean bisexual life isn't it called like the japan bisexual river cruising podcast <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah it is exactly well, right. i'm just wondering what that one episode you listened to was i don't think i caught up on that one <laughs> no, it's the it's the Japan it's not the Japan by sexual river cruise podcast. It's the Japan by river cruise podcast. And what does a by stand for? As in, like they are on a river cruise. Oh, okay, so I thought they were like bisexual and cruising, like 
down <laughs> rivers. <laughs> no, right. but I could I could imagine them both doing that though. Anyway, so anyway, <laughs> what do they want? Crack on. So uh, they yeah. want us to say well, some facts I, about them. Well, he they asked that they gave us sort of a free reign. I'm glad to say they gave us a free reign because <laughs> I mean this first part might not be included at all, of course. But yeah, no, I thought we'd do a game uh, called Bobby or Ollie, where we say a fact yep. uh, about uh, about one of them, and the other you have to guess. The fact I say, you have to guess who it is, Ollie or Bobby. Yeah, yeah. All right, that sounds good. Go on in. So do you want to start? Disclaimer: The facts you're about to hear may be true, partially true, or completely fabricated. Enjoy the quiz. Okay, so who is this? For years, he sailed along in life, getting ahead based solely on his boyish good looks. Now, as he's getting older and those looks are rapidly deteriorating, he's realised that this is no longer going to be an option. So he's starting a line of barbecue condiments. When he was in the development stage of these spicy barbecue products, he had to be talked out of calling them fire in the hole. (laughs) Is it Bobby or Ollie? I'll say Bobby. That's right. You got it. And actually, another name he had for the product uh, as a work, kind of working title was Bobby's Butt Rubs. But he had to scrap that idea because it clashed with another one of his services. <laughs> right. Um, All right. So uh, this one is uh, who was at the age of, uh, in high school, sorry, who 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 had a part-time career as a mobile DJ where they specialised in playing gigs at all people's homes, and that's where he lost his virginity. <laughs> so it doesn't. It might be with a nurse. It might be with a resident. I don't know. It doesn't say. <laughs> um, I'm fairly certain that that would be Ollie. <laughs> yes, it was a man after your own heart. I think. I bet he's. Uh, I bet he's. I bet he's brushed a few breasts with paper. Um, uh, that's a reference to our own podcast that we recorded today. <laughs> yeah, it's a callback to the it's previously a, recorded. It's a callback to John and Sam in Japan podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take a look if you want. If you want that to make sense. If you want to hear that story, it's innocent. It's innocent. Perfectly innocent. Um, okay. Um, who, who's this? He had a stand-up show, and the title was Before and After, and it was based around the way his life changed before and after uh, he'd spent time in prison. <laughs> um, uh, I can't imagine Ollie going to... Well, I mean, I can't imagine either of them going to prison. I mean, Bobby's too beautiful, in it? I'll say Bobby. <laughs> I'm afraid it was Ollie. Oh, okay. So the last one for me is... Uh, which one, of, which one of them is Jewish? Well, this is an easy question for me because I've seen both of their penises. And the answer is Bobby. No. So uh, the answer is neither of them. <laughs> so before anybody accuses me of being an anti-Semite, uh, Ollie did send me that himself saying, uh, ask which one of us is Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So who is this? He thinks he is the most important member of their podcast team. Is it Ollie Ooh, or Bobby? That's difficult because obviously not listening to it as much as I should have done. I don't understand the, the dynamic. Not like John and Sam in Japan where you do all the work and I turn up either hungover or just depressed and uh, try and get us through it. So I'm going to say, oh, I think Ollie probably does all the organizing and Bobby just comes and steals the show. So 
I don't know. All right, I'm going to go with, I'll say, Bobby. Uh, it's a bit of a trick question. I'm sorry about that. It is, of course, both of them. They both think <laughs> right. they are the most important member of their podcast team. Right. Do, do you think they're going to invite us back? <laughs> well, maybe next Christmas. I think we should get them on our show. Give them a, give them a right to reply. Well, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, maybe, maybe they could do it. Is it John or Sam? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all from me. Bobby and uh, Ollie, love you guys. Yeah, hopefully catch up soon. Merry Christmas. Bobby, I didn't know that we were allowed to admit that we don't listen to other Japan-based podcasts. Oh, this yeah. This is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Uh, it really stings that John hasn't listened to our show because uh, you and I have listened to the entire John and Sam in Japan catalog. That's what we do to connect. You know... Spotify just recently uh, released rating functionality, and I spent yep. an entire morning going around uh, giving five-star ratings to all of the friends that I know who have podcasts, thereby ensuring that Spotify's algorithm will never recommend a show that I actually want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> also, the, the whole five-stars thing is so dumb, isn't it? Yeah. Because... Like, the, the, surely, surely it should go down the YouTube route of either you recommend it or you don't. Right, like, right. who actually, yeah. who, seriously who, is listening to this now going, this is a three-star podcast. <laughs> I I listen to it, I engage with it, but every week there's 40% there's 40 room for improvement each week. No one. Either you like the podcast or you don't. Yeah. I think the star system's mad. Well, I, I do enjoy John and Sam in Japan occasionally, and I thought uh, their message was great, very funny, guys. I thought it was interesting that the facts... It was more like, guess who I made something up about? It was yes. like they started with a premise based in reality that turned into fiction. But then I remembered their their stand up, their joke writing works that way too. Like like Sam will be like, so my wife and I'm like, okay, true so far. And I, yeah, good, good. We're having sex the other day, and I'm like, nope, not <laughs> enough suspension of disbelief in the world for this one. <laughs> good. Uh, well, anyway, thank you very much, uh, both of you, for um for taking the time to do that. Um, and I like the fact that, that, that they, they're also honest about the fact that they just rock up. Yeah. This, this was a nuisance. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could, we, could, we could learn a lot from them as our senpais. If you would, if you would like to hear more funny conversations that are sometimes related to Japan uh, and stand-up comedy sets from Japan-based comedians and other comedians as well, um, there's lots more to check out in John and Sam in Japan. And also, if you'd like to hear more jokes where the punchline is about someone's sexuality, you can check out Ali and my brand new podcast titled Hey, remember being in middle school in 1997? <laughs> um, let's talk about our show now. Uh, we just about managed to do an episode every single week. Mm -hmm. We got very, very close this year. Uh, not that that was ever a goal, but you know, would have been cool if we did. Um, what I like about the, what about what I like about the podcast this year, Bobby, is we've had to try harder to get guests. No longer can we rely on a last-minute Facebook message <laughs> to a friend going, "Hey, you free this Thursday." We've actually had to plan. Well, we, uh, we've raised your... our profile and lowered our reputation at the same time. One of my favorite moments this year was uh, was going to ask a Bloomberg journalist if they'd like to be back on the show and going, I really would. But our PR person finally listened to your show and was like, how did any of you ever get permission for this? <laughs> <laughs> we're, now, we're now just big enough uh, to, to be called out on our bullshit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So what, uh, what, what were your favorite episodes this year? Some of my favorite episodes were about some of the topics that were most difficult to approach, like the one about um, the issue of sexual consent in Japan with Dr. Alexandra Hamilton. Yeah, I found that, that episode a challenge too, just to not make the power socket joke. Right, right. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, all, but, we all were grateful that you didn't. I, I must say, I really liked the episode with Matt's alt, only because it felt like one of those episodes where, where like, someone like Matt, his uh, enthusiasm is infectious, isn't it? You know that his publisher told him to make his book shorter. You know he had another... 10 volumes in it and so when you have a guest where you just kind of wind, just wind the cog a little bit and just let them go yeah it is an absolute joy yeah uh and his japanese version of pure invention came out recently and uh it's got right on the cover i think it says pakkun daizesan which means uh patrick harlan uh is involved in kind of like the the promotion for the book which i thought was really cool oh nice mm. very good that's uh, another edition that i um i'll, I'll pretend to have read um <laughs> i <laughs> Another another standout episode for me. If uh, if someone fancies going back in the archives, uh, in this this weird gooch between Christmas and New Year, um, is the Oleg Benish episode. It's one of those things where, like, <laughs> it sounds obvious, but like, academics are smart, and <laughs> and, and uh, it's one of those things where like there's enough little facts in it that you can now use the podcast to show off to your friends. When they eventually can come back into Japan, yeah, right. That's that's kind of what I would be looking for if I were listening to this show. I want to steal some insights and potentially some jokes, so I appear cleverer mm. or funnier. I, I think I might have to go back and refresh myself on on that one. It was the one about uh, how bushido was developed, and I remember it's so long ago now that I, I remember like not quite enough to sound clever in arguments. One of my daughter's friends the other day was like, "Samurai are cool," and I was like, "Nah." And that was as, that's as far as I got with it. <laughs> nah, -uh, something about Henry VIII. Um, actually, his extras are good as well. Uh, there's a lot of people, by the way, which um, which which do sign up to the show, but then don't access the extras right away. When we look at the stats, I realise that people just binge the extras mm -hmm. in all in one go. They don't don't log in every week. Our weirdest um, Brian. Uh, we have a Brian named Lewis Prawn. Uh, listens to the extras religiously as soon as they come out and is very, very quick to remind us if something goes wrong and they don't come out the way they're supposed to. We're very grateful for that, Lewis. Yeah, well, Bobby might be grateful. I'm not. It's the, it's the worst part of my week when Bobby goes, <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with the extras this week? Um, we need to find a new way of getting them. But anyway, f we'll talk about the buy me a coffee stuff later. But sometimes I listen back to the extras and I go, that actually should it be should the show. It should have been the show. Yeah, if you, look, if you ever look at the show notes, like there are times when I'm like, this is a week when the extras should have been the show. Because we try to stick to time and because we always have an often, thing. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and often guests have an agenda too, right? Guests have something that they, they really want to make sure they talk about. Uh, I think when guests are a bit less guarded and when we tell them, look, this is behind a paywall for like, a few dozen of our friends. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to, to to get juicy stuff out of them. So um, anyway, we'll we'll talk more about uh, why we why we're going to encourage you to become a member later in the show. Uh, Bobby, any other um, episodes which if um, which uh, are worth revisiting? Yeah, uh, Mark Bookman's episode um, about the Paralympics and the way he was consulted, kind of in the build up mm. for accessibility issues around the Paralympics, is a very very yes. good episode and just kind of um, another one of those those worlds that. In my experience in Japan, I don't have any direct access to, and it was just discovering all sorts of new stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, he's also someone again. You know, whenever we get guests that are used to kind of public speaking, uh, we, I think we are a bit more relaxed too, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right. Well, uh, while we're looking back on the year, this might be a good moment to ask for some help in reviewing this year in news. Uh, so please welcome. For the first time on the show, special presenter, Yuki Nives. I'm Yuki Nives, 
And this is what happened in 2021. Following the emergence of the Omicron variant, Japan has once again closed its borders to new foreign arrivals, affecting many people's lives and leaving many to wonder, is it possible to smuggle yourself into Japan in a cello case? Fumio Kishida, leader of Japan's ruling party, was officially elected as the nation's 100th prime minister. Does this mean Japan has had 99 prime ministers prior? No. Since Japan counts prime ministers by the term and not by individuals, Kishida is the 100th and 101st prime minister, even though he is the 64th individual to have become the prime minister. Confusing? Yes, it's as confusing as the fact that the year 2019 was Heisei Year 31 and 2020 was Leiwa Year 2. But you don't get to complain if you use feet and pounds. The emperor's niece, Princess Mako, married her commoner boyfriend, giving up all the perks of being a member of the royal family, including the perks of having no privacy or freedom. You could say that she's living the opposite path of the Empress Masako, who was an intelligent young diplomat with a promising career, who threw her life away by marrying into the royal family and lost her freedom. Empress Masako endured years of ordeal, being blamed for not being able to produce a male heir. Don't tell Japanese people the sex of the baby is determined by the father's sperm. It may be only natural that Princess Mako grew up watching Masako go through this and decided to live for good. In a press conference held immediately after arriving in America, she said, Man, I was like so done with all that crap, you know? In the second half of 2021, there were two stabbing attacks on trains in Tokyo, one by a man who held grudges against women and one by a man who wanted to get the death penalty. Videos of panicked passengers running for their lives went viral on social media. People saw this horrifying scene and expressed their anger at the irrationality. Why on earth are those female passengers screaming? Screaming isn't going to help. A man would never do something so irrational. More proof that women are emotional and men are calm and logical. In baseball news, the Yakult Swallows had a great year, winning both the Central League Championship and the Japan Series for the first time in 20 years, making them even more popular among fans. Much more popular than the Yakult Spits anyway. In May, a pet python went missing in Yokohama, and the police sent 270 officers to search for it. In contrast, the police don't even respond to most of the times when human people are reported missing. The police say it's because most times the missing person just wanted to get away, but isn't that what the python wanted? Lots more happened in 2021, but instead of looking back on the past, I prefer to look forward to 2022, the year in which we will all get to learn the rest of the Greek alphabet. My name is Yuki Nivets. Wishing you happy holidays and happy new year. Thank you very, very much, Yuki. Uh, fantastic stuff. Yuki is um, the comedian that I would most like to see live when I get to go back to see uh, Comedy Live in Tokyo. I've never seen her set in person, but she's a great comedian. She writes fantastic jokes and she's uh, very conscious and responsible. 
And so when we were talking about planning these jokes for this episode, I'd suggested an Olympics joke about the idea that, you know, you can say what you will about Japan, but now that the spotlight's moved on to Beijing, at least we can agree that uh, they did a pretty good job when it came to not committing genocide. <laughs> and I suggested this joke and instantly Yuki was like, yeah, I don't want to be a Japanese person accusing China of war crimes. <laughs> Yuki, uh, in the smallest of small minorities there. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much, Yuki, for taking the time to do that. Uh, I think we're going to have to get her back on in some. Oh, capacity. absolutely. Great. Yeah, yeah. If you're in Tokyo, check out the live live comedy scene uh, and definitely go see one of Yuki's shows. Maybe Bobby, could she be second in place? Would you not like to see me do some live stand up in Japan? Is that not our is that not our resolution for next year? I would love love for you to to be able to make it back over and for us to do Japan by River Cruise live at some point. Japan by River Cruise live, and what's yeah. the finale of Japan by River Cruise live? We take all of the audience onto a boat, and you and I hold hands and jump off it, never to be seen again. <laughs> So uh, speaking of other things that uh, have never been done on this show before, now we are going to do something that not only has it never been done on this show, it's never been done on any pre-recorded show in any format. <laughs> We're going to go to a live report. That's right. This report is taking place live right now at whatever time you are listening to it. Real quick, just look at your watch. That's when this is. Nothing says Christmas like the word Christmas, but in a close second are the three words Kentucky Fried Chicken. Our roving reporter Phoebe Amoroso is on the scene at a very Christmassy location. Phoebe, are you there? Bethlehem, watch out! The American state of Kentucky is hot on your heels as the most culturally significant Christmas location, but in a place that you might not expect, Japan. Yes, that's right. I'm right here in Tokyo, Japan, to report on the most curious of Christmas traditions, eating Kentucky Fried Chicken at Christmas time. Okay, this story. Um, so what's our angle this year? They're eating fried chicken at Christmas, but in a uniquely Japanese way that seamlessly blends the traditional and the modern. In exactly what way? Well. The chicken still comes in the traditional buckets, but you can order it through an app. Right, Phoebe, to be honest... I must I say, the lines are long, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to grab some delicious chicken myself, but I really want to know what Japanese people make of this uniquely Japanese bizarre tradition of eating a certain kind of delicious food as an annual ritual. So I'm going to interview some real Japanese people, or as they're known locally, people who are waiting right here in line. Sima-san, Japan by River Cruise no Phoebe de ima chuke chuu desu ka? Chotto ookukai shittemo ii desu ka? Sure. Uh, I actually speak English, so if you want to ask your questions in English... No thanks! Maze! Fried chicken, suki desu ka? Hai, suki desu. So there you have it. Japanese people just love fried chicken. I've been Phoebe Amoroso, live Phoebe, from the scene of. We, we still have a little bit more time for the report. Do you think maybe you could talk to some other people in line? Sure. Sima-san, Japan by River Cruise no Phoebe de gozaimasu. Imo, hosochu nan desu ka? Um, I'm Naomi Osaka. My toshi no Christmas wa Kentucky desu ka? Phoebe, is that the actual Naomi Osaka? I mean, 
Sometimes? If that's, if that's really her, could you possibly ask her, uh, what is her favorite river cruise? And when you is the... heard it right here. Every and... Japanese person eats Kentucky Fried Chicken every year. What? Jesus, what was that noise? The sound of a unique blend of 11 herbs and spices fried to a crisp in high in omega-3 corn oil. And also, it seems like an elderly driver has uh, crashed their car through the shop. Christ. Oh my God, is everybody all right? Yes, the car has come to a stop in the seating area, which is empty of customers, as Kentucky has suspended regular business to focus exclusively on meeting the demand for takeout chicken. Although it does appear that at some point during the collision, Colonel Sanders' Santa hat was knocked off. Hold on, hold on. The driver is getting out of their glass and plaster covered vehicle. Let me just try to get a question in. Oh, there's really no need. Simasan! Simasan! Otaki no Christmas dinner no menu wa nandeska? Phoebe, maybe we should just move on. Well, actually, the crash has cleared the queue out very nicely. Why don't I try to take this opportunity for some of the old shokurepo and partake in this hallowed Japanese holiday tradition? Let's just um, step up to the register right here and... Simasen, Fraiji! Oh, um, nope. Uh, they've handed me the, the English menu. Right. What does it say? It says advanced reservations only. Okay, Phoebe, thank you very much. Look, do you know, if it's cool with you, we're just going to keep the recording of this and just play it every year. I expected nothing less. That was JBRC roving reporter Phoebe Amoroso doing what we all wish we could do at this time of year. The bare minimum. And now a Kwanzaa message from Bayer McNeil. Good evening. It's that time of the year, isn't it? The time when, even though we're divided most of the year, all of us, blacks, whites, Asians, Arabs, Jews, Gentiles, folks from far-flung nations, speaking disparate languages, praying to obscure gods, it seems like everyone comes together. And it seems the question that unites them all, that has them choiring in and resounding unison is this. What the ever-loving fuck is a Kwanzaa? There are a handful of us who find ourselves annually at the business end of this interrogation. And a few years ago, when I decided that I would transplant this obscure holiday from the US to Japan, I set myself up as one of these targets. What made me do such a crazy thing? Well, I thought, why the hell not? Kwanzaa doesn't conflict with or undermine anything. You can have Kwanzaa and still celebrate Japanese Christmas if you so choose. All you need is a bucket of KFC and some strawberry shortcake. Then, while you're suffering from what greasy chicken does to your bowels and what adult-onset diabetes does to your kidneys, you can listen to Mariah Carey sing about how she doesn't want much for Christmas just to own a human being. And save a George Michael crooning about some ONS he had with a guy that evidently left him in a bad way. A man undercover but you tore me apart? What's that about? Actually, I don't even want to know. So, instead of asking that, how about asking for a holiday with some substance? Let's take a moment to consider Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa is like that guy you didn't date in high school because he was too, I don't know, too fucking black or something. But now, with the success of, I don't know, Barack Obama, Dave Chappelle, Black Panther, and Black Lives Matters, black is like the new white, or maybe off-white, or eggshell. What color is like white but you still can't get a bank loan? In any case, 
suddenly Kwanzaa, of which the mere mention used to have Karen speed dialing 911, is now looking better than ever, all buff and beefcake in a tight white wife beater, right? I mean, at least that's how they're portraying it on NHK. Yes, Kwanzaa is here and it has a solid and growing following. And I won't be surprised if, in a few years, it takes off, becoming a mainstream mainstay. As soon as the Japanese figure out how to commercialize it, that is. You know, like America did. But I won't complain. Nope, I'll be the first in line to throw down on some Umoja burgers at Most Burger, a Kuch Jagalia beef bowl at Yoshinoya, and wash it down with some Kaumba flavored cow piece. Happy Kwanzaa to all. Thank you to Baya McNeil. Uh, Ali, I loved how not once in that message did he actually get around to explaining what Kwanzaa was. Not his job, Bobby. Stop asking black people to educate you. Uh, make a little effort, please. I'll send you, I'll send you a reading list. Okay. Uh, speaking of books, don't forget that you can win a signed copy of Bya McNeil's Hi, My Name is Loco and I Am a Racist as part of our fantastic holiday giveaways. That's right. Uh, all the information for that was at the top of the show. If you want more, if you want a reminder of how to do it, check the show notes for this episode. And now, a section we're calling Gift of the Magi. Uh, of course, as you all know, you can't have a holiday special without presents. And the best presents are the thoughtful presents. So Ollie and I came up with an idea. And that idea was, what would happen if we tried to pave a road with good intentions. And uh, what was the building material used for this road, Bobby? Polythene bags, Famichiki wrappers, pet bottles. All items you find at a convenience store. At a convenience store. Bobby, when you think of convenience stores, who do you think of? Uh, I think of the bona fide Japanese conveni expert that we reached out to. I knew through TV. I reached out to right. him and I was able to book a special guest interview with Taya Shinji-san who is a professional Japanese conveni researcher and critic. He does this professionally. He spent years working in the corporate headquarters of both Lawson and 7-Eleven. He's published multiple books on conveni topics, and he regularly hosts seminars and talks about conveni businesses and appears on TV and radio to talk about conveni product development, conveni recipes, conveni culture, and much, much more. This sounds like a dream if we had a podcast called The Convenience Store Gentleman. So um, what Ali is <laughs> alluding to is that unfortunately, for a whole variety of reasons, including scheduling conflicts, geographical limitations, and more than likely, the fact that we've represented ourselves as total assholes in the past, uh, we weren't <laughs> able to actually deliver our present. So instead, so what we'd like to do instead is to gift all of you with this fascinating interview with Tayasan. Uh, some of the questions were in fact written by our planned gift recipients. Some of the questions we wrote and one of the questions the guest actually asked us to ask him and see if you can pick out which one that was. So here, to conduct our Gift of the Magi interview, please give your kind attention to our second choice, Casey and Joe from Ishikawa Summit to see. Just in general, what would you say the kombini means to you? I used to help out at my family's toy store, selling toys and games, and in that business you don't see new products being released every week. Even so, it was still a fun industry, but the unique thing about the Japanese konbini business is that week after week they're always releasing new products. That constant stream of new stuff is something I find personally wonderful, and I think it's the greatest thing about the konbini. 
Japanese people in particular are suckers for the Shin Shohin, and that might set it apart from the culture in other countries. In other countries,、um, when they hear brand new product, they might wonder about its dependability or quality. But in Japan, is it more just a sense of excitement? Yeah, we get excited and reach for it on instinct, even if it's just the same old onigiri. If you put a sticker on it that says Shin Hatsubai, revamped, it's almost like we have a custom of wanting to pick that up every week. Now that you mention it, I do feel like I've seen that brand new item sticker on products that I've already seen before. Yeah, and if you were Japanese, you might just get excited and buy it anyway. I think it's very clever of the convenience business to have identified that. Right. So the marketing people are conscious of that, and the way they use that to sell to convenience customers. So, that's right. Okay, so we're coming up on almost two years of living with the corona pandemic. How has the Japanese convenience industry been affected? Well, the pandemic has affected all kinds of industries, but for convenience, there hasn't been any huge profits are down twenty to thirty percent across the board kind of drop off. It's not like they've been dealt a huge knockout blow. It's more like they've been taking slow but steady shots to the kidneys in increments of two or three percent drops, or at least that's what was happening during the first year. And then they started testing strategies for recovery with varying degrees of success. Grocery stores, on the other hand, with more people staying home and doing remote work, grocery stores saw, for the first time in a long time, an increase in overall sales. And now that convenience have had some time to see what the current market is like and what people are buying during the pandemic, they've slowly expanded things like desserts and frozen foods and getting back to where they were. Convenience stores, as a concept, are an American invention. How did that concept evolve into what we know as the modern Japanese konbini? Well, this is something that we can say now with hindsight, but it's now about forty or fifty years since the convenience store came to Japan. Before that, it was all about the supermarket. But the supermarket had hit a point of market saturation, and people started saying that there wasn't any room left for building any more supermarkets. So, with all of the existing retailers, grocers, and department stores going, there's no room left to grow. They started to look for a new form of doing retail business. As part of that process, people travelled to America for market research, and they happened to meet the person who founded 7-Eleven. I think in America, the gas station convenience store model is the most common. And you don't see those a lot in Japan, but the 7-Eleven they found in America was a small shop that moved a lot of product, and that seemed like a good model to try. But when they started to think about how to implement it in Japan and the system in place, and they signed contracts and got the manual and brought the first 7-Eleven over to Japan, they realized they had just brought an American store over to Japan. They kind of panicked and went, "This business is doomed." So they said, "Okay, we'll keep the name 7-Eleven, but we need to start from scratch, and we have to make the first shop a Japanese-style shop." 
and this was really a key factor. But in America, for some reason, next to the register, they generally offer fast food style offerings, mostly fried stuff like you find in McDonald's. Back then, Japan wasn't eating as much fried food as they do today. This was back around when McDonald's had just opened their first shop in Japan. So they thought about what they could sell that would be Japan's version of fast food, and they hit on the idea of an onigiri. And at that time, the general public hated this idea. Onigiri was something that your mum made and you ate at home. People were like, that's not a thing you would go out of your way to buy to eat. But the guy who was building the 7-Eleven looked at that reaction and thought, well, I'm now convinced if we can sell people onigiri, then we'll definitely be a success. So for the first four or five years, when they had just opened, that's what they did. But even then, they didn't have a hit product on their hands. In terms of the onigiri that Japanese people eat, it's generally kombu, salmon and ume. These are the basic three, and even their ranking doesn't really change over the years. But even with people used to the idea that you could get these at the konbini, they hadn't yet produced a bestseller. Because what they were selling was still the same stuff you could get at your house. And right about this time, just by coincidence, they came up with the tuna mayo onigiri. The person who developed this, their kids liked to put mayonnaise on rice and eat that. And they were like, well, that would be good as an onigiri. And from that idea, they came up with the tuna mayo onigiri. So is that really considered the first best-selling item in the convenience store industry? We could get into more specifics, I'm sure, but I think that even today, the tuna mea onigiri is probably still the best-selling item overall. In terms of the other stuff that they sell at Kambidis, and there are a lot, but until they realized what those products should be, for the 10 to 15 years that 7-Eleven was doing stuff by trial and error, they ran a pretty American-style operation. And once they started to differentiate, 7-Eleven just started to evolve into what they are now by saying, after onigiri, what's next? Soba? Okay, let's sell cold soba. To make it simple, it was like, well, onigiri is a match for the Japan market, so what else suits Japan? If we can meet those needs, then we can basically take over everything. So they moved to soba, and after that, Japan had started more consuming more bread, so third was bread. And they just kept going and adding categories. But even now, among all the categories that they have, onigiri is still occupying the top share. Even when compared to dedicated shops that only sell onigiri, Kambini outsells them. When did Kambini Oden become a thing? Oden became a mainstay a little bit later, but I think they first started to test it on an experimental level, at around the same time, to see how it would sell, at around the same time as they were starting to sell the tuna mayo. This was before they were operating nationwide. Again, 7-Eleven got there first by putting it out there and saying, We've got this too. At the same time as they were playing around with the onigiri and sandwiches, they were testing that as well. The great thing about kombinis is not just the food or the groceries, but it's also things like paying your bills, sending packages, uh, being able to do all that in one place. We always feel like you can do anything at the convenience store. 
And it was, and it wasn't until you pointed it out that I realised that one thing you can't do is fill up your gas tank there. So so so. True, true. No, it's really. I think other countries might be surprised at just how much the kabini was shaped and developed by looking at how to cater to the selfish needs of Japanese people. And it started in the realm of products, but then, right around the turn of the millennium, just as you mentioned, it started to move more and more into the service industries, and that's where we are now. Wow, this really provides a whole new perspective on the history of Kambini. Yeah, the kaicho in charge of doing all this, he really had an eye for identifying the changes happening in lifestyle in Japan. I think he's got an ability and a sense for these things that other places and even other individual employees can't recreate. I remember when I was still working for Seven, and they first said they were going to put in ATMs. I worked for them, and even I couldn't believe it. You're going to put a bank in the place where you sell onigiri? It was crazy. And now it's the way of the world. And it yields benefits for the committee when, instead of going to the bank to withdraw money, you go there, and while you're there, you buy a drink. Speaking of work experience, you worked at both 7-Eleven and Lawson. With that experience, what would you say are the cultural differences between the two companies? Even though they're two companies that are both doing the same things, looking back on it, I remember when I started feeling that I was working for a totally different company. It was surprising. This is something I've researched and learned since. But in other industries too, like automotive, for example, you can see these are the top three companies in the industry, and they're all in the same business. But, even so, the difference in style between the top company and the others is pretty vast. And 7-Eleven has always been number one. Actually, according to Seven, this idea of the conbini industry, if you're only looking at yourself as a conbini and only focusing on the conbini industry, you're narrowing the scope of your own business. So instead, you look at all of the industries that provide products for daily life, and you figure out how to bring those into the kabini. But at the same time, you can't stray from your basics. That's what they're always saying. Get your basics in order, and figure out how to change from there is the philosophy. And that sounds easy, but it's not. If you're too busy ordering your basics, you don't change. And if you change too much, where do your basics go? It's incredibly difficult, and it puts pressure on the entire company. So that idea of saying, what can't we do, and how can we do it, and being able to operate by that, with that as your philosophy, is where 7-Eleven is the strongest. And what's Lawson's strength? Lawson doesn't have the resources to do the things that number one can do. But that means they get to go, well, we're not number one, so what can we do that number one doesn't do? How do we differentiate ourselves from them? When it comes to thinking about how they can sell better items, when it comes to thinking about how they can better sell items in store, instead of development strategy, I think they're losing the race to seven. But if they have a strength, it's finding a market position that they can occupy that seven doesn't. 
For example, there's a wider variety and level of expertise in their dessert product products that makes them more popular. That's one. And then there's the natural lawsuits, which you can only find in some places in Tokyo that are good examples as well. I think they're doing some interesting things. Interesting. Okay, since we've got a real live expert here, let's ask. What three kombini items would you recommend to foreign tourists? Recently, with all of the sports events like rugby and the Olympics, we've had a lot of foreign journalists in paying attention to Japanese convenience. And in thinking about what I think is the most delicious or what I'd like them most to try, I'd say number three is definitely convenience store coffee. It's a cup of coffee you can get for just 100 yen, and each company has their own spin on it, but that means you could taste and compare from each of the big three for just 300 yen. So I'd really love it if foreign visitors could discover their own favorite. Number two, in particular, is aimed at the overseas market. It's sandwiches. There are all kinds of different ways to cut the bread, different fillings, but the lettuce ham or the egg stuff or ham and egg stuff. For lower price tier food items, I think people would be surprised at how good they are. So I chose it at number two. The foreign sports journalist I mentioned actually really seemed to enjoy these. So I think everybody would probably like them. And that brings us to the top spot. Hi. This one we've already talked quite a bit about. It's the product that was the starting point for the development of the Japanese-style konbini, the onigiri. Right now, there's been a drastic reduction in inbound, inbound tourism due to corona. But I still think a, a classic onigiri is the epitome of home-style Japanese cuisine. Of course, I'd like tourists to try the tuna mayo, but I'd also recommend any of the other fillings too. And even better, recently the plain white rice onigiri that 7-Eleven has put out is my biggest recommendation. It doesn't have anything in it but rice, and it is still so good. Even Japanese people are surprised by that, so I think foreigners would flip for it. Thank you! I've actually never tried a plain kombini onigiri, so I'll definitely give it a shot. Gotcha. Okay, I'm going to change the subject from 7-Eleven for a minute, but why is the Famichiki so goddamn good? Famichiki, well, to be perfectly honest, when a new kaicho for Family Mart stepped in a number of years ago, he looked around the entire Family Mart sales space and identified the hot snack area next to the register as a key place in terms of the potential for increasing revenue. And it just so happened that this particular guy was a meat industry professional. That was his background. And when thinking about how to get chicken sales numbers up, he started by developing a spice blend to be used in making chicken. Ah, so it's just like Colonel Sanders' secret blend of 11 herbs and spices? Yeah, exactly that idea. 
So the secret spices are one key factor. The other is that the cut they use to make fanny chicky is the thigh, which means that out of one whole chicken, you can only get two fanny chicky, which shows how selective they are in what goes into the product. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, among foreigners, at least, fanny chicky tends to rank way above the others for fried chicken. But I didn't know they'd put so much into the development and production. Yes, Famima actually set up a shop in Sweden, and the Famichiki was the most popular. It's also, of course, their most popular item, and it's coming up on its 15th anniversary. And to date, they've sold about 1.7 trillion. <laughs> okay, this is going to be our last question. Uh, in the coming years, what new combini trends and innovations can we look forward to seeing? Combinis are designed for change. They're a shop that changes to be compatible with change. So even here in Japan, with all the changes happening, I think we're getting ready to see a real move towards convenies that are complete overhauls of the typical model. Imagine what Amazon Go is already starting to do overseas, but a Japanese version. So maybe next year we'll start to see more convenies that are smaller in scale but unmanned in operation, and those will increase in number as we go. And of course, vending machines. America has the most vending machines of anywhere in the world, but Japan ranks in the top three. So I think we'll start to see a more complete integration of automated vending machines, of the sort we're already seeing for the Japanese business market, but aimed at the general public. That'll be really interesting. Anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? Yes, two things. First, I would like to confirm the absolute and unequivocal superiority of fresh coffee over its canned rival, which is swill fit only for pigs and Americans. Uh, and secondly, I would suggest that everybody listen to the Sakamichi Nights podcast. Uh, it's my favorite thing to do whilst on my commute. Um, I would like you to know that there's a new podcast called Record, uh, made by one of your interviewers today, me. And I believe that that's based on another podcast called The Bean Pod, which you should also check out. But definitely don't check out Ishikawa Summit to see, because it's it's it'll put you off listening to Japan by River Cruise probably. Merry Christmas, Bobby. We're nearly at the end of the episode. Yes. Does that make you feel sad? It's been a weird year, man. <laughs> it's not It's not been the best year, has it? There's been a lot of ups and downs. Back in 2018, when a load of, frankly, now looking back at it, trivial political stuff happened in the UK, I tweeted saying, 2019 has a lot of work to do if it's going to be better than 2018. And then I retweeted that in 2019. It's like, 2020's got a lot of work to yep. do if it's going to be better than 2019. Uh, and what it feels like is, do you remember when we all thought the pandemic was going to be something that happened? Right. I think we all mistakenly thought uh, that it's something that, that we're not actually going to have to experience, right? It's just something which we're going to be doing for a bit rather than like have it as part of our lives. And I think this year has been the year where most of us have come to terms with the fact that this is it. 
And sometimes it's it's healthier to go, well, I had some aspirations and they didn't work out. And I, I had some best laid plans and yeah. I now can't do them. I think a lot of people this year, and I'm saying that because I think it, uh, have gone through this kind of state of mourning of the life that they could have had. And I think like people d- deal with grief in lots of different ways. Mm. Um, and, and often I think Christmas is a, is a really tough time for for that. So I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but I, I guess if anybody has found this podcast even remotely valuable, even if it's given you just one chuckle, uh, then I guess that's that's made it worthwhile because with the absolute tidal wave, I could have used the Japanese word there, couldn't I? With the absolute tidal wave of, uh, of, of bad things, of gravity trying to keep us down, mm. um, then all, all Bobby and I are really trying to do is, is to provide a little bit of light and buoyancy. Well, it helps us. I mean, it, like having the show as the constant through like every week, uh, booking the guest, interacting with people online, tweeting out silly jokes, and, and then getting to come yeah. in here and talk to people and hear interesting stuff and, and get good feedback yeah. and to watch the show grow has really kind of helped me as a creative outlet when so many of my other creative outlets that that I was kind of getting fulfillment through stuff I was doing on TV, developing new projects, um, all of that kind of kind of went away. And yeah. until you said the word mourning, I hadn't really thought of it of, of in terms of like a sense of mourning aspirations or possibilities or things that you expected that are just not going to be anymore. And I have felt this last half a year that the the way everybody has approached the pandemic has shifted to figuring out how to deal with it as the new normal um mm. in our circles anyway i feel like in in america people are pretending it's over i think you're right about this this podcast for us just having it having it every week helps because i think when you're feeling sad or when you're in the middle of a crisis i think time both stands still and goes <laughs> extra fast <laughs> hey ali remember that one week this year when you weren't feeling sad <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I know. Man, I mean, a lot of the listeners know that I got ill during the fringe. Uh, and, you know, you know about the dog bite thing. Not many people know kind yeah, of the, yeah. the wider context of just an absolute crisis. I've, you know, I broke up with a, with a girlfriend who I love very much. My grandmother died. Um, I, I was briefly homeless for a bit. I um, lost a load of money on trying to buy a house. Um, and now I've just made a millionaire developer a thousand pounds richer. Uh, like, and that, that's just kind of scratching the surface. But, I, I've realized that like every, literally everyone that's listening to this, there is not a single person who's listening to this who's, who is thinking, do you know what? My year has gone exactly as I wanted it to. And I'm completely content in all the choices I've made and I'm feeling positive. So I just, no, I just know uh, that if you're listening to this now, uh, something that we've said has, has re- reminded you uh, that you've done really well. Like you've done really well. Just the fact that we've got to the end of the year, the fact that you've even got an hour out of your day that you can tune into this bullshit shows that things aren't going as bad as they can be. Um, so for what it's worth, you know, if, if anyone thinks that, that this podcast uh, gives them a little bit of, jo- of enjoyment and some people do send us those kind of messages and we appreciate it. Uh, I guess this is the uh, opportunity to say um, that, that this you, you guys listening to this means more to us uh, than uh then this podcast can never mean to you. Uh, so thank you for all of your support. And uh, let's, I was going to say, let's hope the next year is better. It won't be. Next year will be worse. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's hope we get, keep making through it. Through it. Yeah, let, let's hope, let's hope our subscriber count continues <laughs> to increase. <laughs> 
Very well put, Ali. Uh, I would like to just add that, uh, yeah, you guys really are the best. You guys are the best, but Ali, the bigger question is, who's the best guest? Very nicely done. In this section, our two most frequent passengers, Rochelle Kopp and Jake Edelstein, go head-to-head in a JBRC trivia challenge, hosted by none other than the man himself, Brian in Fukuoka. Thank you. Yes, this is the JBRC trivia challenge. Who's the best guest? Our first contestant is the founder of Japan Intercultural Consulting, author of numerous books, and six-time guest, our good friend, Rochelle Kopp. Rochelle, welcome. Thanks, great to be here. And our second contestant is also here. The game will work like this. We have 10 River Cruise trivia questions that we've jumbled up into a random order. Jake and Rochelle will take turns trying to answer these questions. If they answer correctly, they win five points. If they fail to answer correctly, their opponent has a chance to steal. Steals are worth seven points. The two points, two extra points are punishment. So at the end of the game, the player with the most points will be crowned the best JBRC guest of 2021, and the loser has to keep appearing on the show. (laughs) Before the recording started, we played a game of pointy hat, long stick, river to determine who would go first. And so, Rochelle, you get the first question. Are you ready? Yes, I am. The first question is, which one of the following has never been a segment on the show? One, soap talk. Two, my country is worse than yours. Three, the boat club, where boat stands for best overall tweets. And four, JBRC press club. Oh, I think it's the one with the the boat. The answer is the boat club. Very good. Nicely done, Rochelle. That's five points for Rochelle. I'm losing and I haven't even started yet. Okay, next question is for Jake. Jake. Yes. Ollie has a dedicated 30-second jingle that he plays whenever he talks about a certain subject. What is that subject, and do you think it was worth the $50 he spent to have it made? Uh, um, I have to, it's not a multiple choice question here? No. Um, his hemorrhoid problem. It's, it's the jingle about his hemorrhoid problem. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's wrong. The answer was. Well, wait, wait, wait. I want to steal. Whoa, whoa, I think I know it. Rochelle. That's right. <laughs> sorry. Can steal. <laughs> yes, please steal, Rochelle. I think it's when he talks about intellectual property law. <laughs> oh, you're, you need, need to be a little bit more specific. Um, intellectual that's property so law in Japan. Yes. Wow. Oh, that's, like, that's like coaching. I protest. <laughs> and, and the second part. And the second part of the. Jake, Jake, right. he did it on your episode. Didn't we do that on your episode with yeah, the FCC? Yeah. But, but, yeah, but that FCC wouldn't have been the funny answer. Okay. And I definitely <laughs> think it was worth $50. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll give you that. That, that, is, is, that is the right answer. Okay. So that's seven points for Rochelle Steele there. All 12. right. The next question to Rochelle. Of all of our many guests, we have only ever been accused of simping for one of them. Which guest was it? And here's a hint. It's one of you two. Um, I'm going to say it was Jake. <laughs> Jake oh. with the chance to steal. Jake. Oh. 
I, I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say it's Ocho. 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 Jake takes it. and Jake takes it away. Okay, who accused you? Seven to twelve. for me. I don't think I've ever had anyone accused of something for me before. Eighty percent of the internet. Eighty percent of the internet. You it's have to be out there on yet. Twitter somewhere. <laughs> okay, I'll have to so look that up. Jake, the next question is for you. Besides yourselves, name any three other JBRC guests. Um, you had Amina on. Uh, Amina Dujin. That's not a real name, but that's her state name. You had Amina Dujin. You asked Tobias Harris to be on, but he's never done it. But I'm still counting because you asked him, so I get one point. <laughs> no, you don't. He, he was ex well, uh, <laughs> you, you, you don't. You, so you, you get lucky because he was wow. just on. You know, I've he was been literally so just on. Okay, so I got Tobias Harris. I got, I got Amina Dujin, and there's one other person that you have had on. No, Oscar from Unseen Japan. Yes, yes, I listened okay. to your show. Yes, give it to me. Those points, I'm taking okay. them. Okay, so, so five points to you, unless Rochelle can name three other guests that we like more. Oh, that you like more. <laughs> um, okay, I'm thinking here. Um, well, definitely Motoko Rich, um, Hiromu Nagahara, mm -hmm. and... Hey, could you make it a hat trick of Japanese guests? Not that we like them more. Just oh, the... Ayako Shimada. Oh. Ayaka Shimada. Aya Shimada. Aya Shimada. Aya Shimada. No, 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 no. I, I, I totally, I deserve these five points. I'm not going to allow this steal here. <laughs> I, th I think we should give yes, it to yes. Jake because okay. that'll More tie drama. the score. So 12-12. Good. For the drama and the jeopardy, not fidelity right. to the truth. <laughs> All right. So, Rochelle, the next question is for you. Fill in the blank. On the show, the boys have often talked about their multiple other definitely real podcasts, but the only one they've mentioned the most is blank, blank, Ah, we love blank. What goes in the blank? Hint, it's a sport. I have no idea. You're going to have to name a Pick sport. Pick a sport. You're going to name okay. a sport. Um, swimming. <laughs> <laughs> that is swimming. Swimming. Ah, <laughs> we love swimming. That no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's thematically, I see how you got there. Uh, yeah. But a hint for Jake. I kind of feel like Ali dressed the part for this one. French mime artist, French mime artist. Oh, I feel we love like French mime artist. this is a shirt that you might see in this sport. That's true. You're oh, really giving oh. him a big hint here. For the listener, it's a black and white stripy shirt like the waiters at Pizza Express wear. Okay, no points either. The answer was... Bobby, we need to rugby. promote that show more. Oh, rugby, God, rugby, rugby. I'm sorry. I, I don't consider that a, oh, we a love sport. Rugby. I consider that a like, martial art. So yeah, I would have never gotten that one. That's why you've wow. never invited you on that show. Jake, when it comes to hosting discussions with guests, what do Bobby and Ollie often refer to as their biggest weakness? And I'll give a hint. Hemorrhoids is second. <laughs> uh, biggest weakness, not interrupting the guest. Did you say not interrupting uh, the guest? Not interrupting the guest. Okay. Okay, can I steal? Rochelle, what, would you, you what do you answer, want to say? Can I just say, um, yeah, can I just say that there's two ways that you can approach this? Uh, uh, just just uh, interrupted you there. There's a little bit of a meta joke. I got it. Um, for interrupting people. 
Yes, that's correct. Seven oh, points on, for the steal. <laughs> Rochelle, that brings Rochelle up to 19. Jake is I would like to interrupt you, but I'm not the type of person. That's what I meant. But by not interrupting, it's your, by interrupting it's your biggest weakness. But, but you know oh, what? Okay, all right. Who's... Fine, I'll just take that speed. Okay, ready? The show has had many enemies over the years, including failed prime ministerial candidate Kono Taro and successful foreign entry ban lobbyist Yuri Kageyama. But of all the people we've come up against, which thoroughly despicable human being do we consider our ultimate nemesis? Oh, Jake Adelstein. <laughs> Very good. Nailed it. Oh, she's got yes. a commanding lead does, here, Jake. Is 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 the lead now 12? It's 24. 24. She, she got, she's gotten... Th okay. She's okay, 24 and Jake's 12. The, the interrupting yep. one, it, it should have been mine, but it's kind of <laughs> you know. I panicked. And, <laughs> All, right. Not okay. All right. Next, next question, Jake. Here we go. Here's your comeback. In what position did Feedspot.com rank Japan by River Cruise on its list of the top 10 world's best River Cruise podcasts? And here's a hint. There were only six podcasts included in the top 10. <laughs> number one. Wow, that would, have, that would be incredible. Ali, man, if we were, we would be rolling in it right now if we were number one on Feedspot.com's best friends. We would shut up about it. We'd start each episode by Welcome Back to Japan by River Cruise. Feedspot.com's number one River Cruise podcast. That's me. I would have rated you number one if you're the only one. Okay, do I get to steal here? Yes, Rochelle. And this will put it away, I think, if you if you steal this one. Oh, I'm really going to really say well, number six. Oh. Oh, Rochelle. No, love. I've got to think a bit more highly of us. That's not no fair. Love. Wow. You you got the question wrong, but you are giving Jake a run for our biggest <laughs> nemesis at the moment. <laughs> Minus points for that, guys? Maybe? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take, take away, away five. five. Make it a little closer. The answer was number four. Four yeah. out of fourth of six. Well, a four of ten. Yes, yes, you're right. What were the other five podcasts? And how know, did they I, rank? I, I'm, I'm just going to make a suggestion here. No, no, you know, it's just a suggestion. I, I feel like that by even daring to put you at number six, that she should be subtracting some points just punitively. But, you know, I'm your number one fan. She, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, she's lost I five say, points. I say go ahead. You know what? You know what? Reset the score. 12 Wow, 12. That's, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> Bobby, since when did I, you I become approve. like I this? approve, yeah. You know. <laughs> Bobby gets one <laughs> teaspoon of power and it goes straight to his head. Well, what, Larry, we got two more questions, so let's see how it comes out and then we can... Oh, we're 12-12. We're, we're Great. Great idea. Rochelle, I'm, I know that you're cool with that. So, <laughs> All right, here we go, Rochelle, with the next question. Of the following four episode title puns, which did Bobby unsuccessfully attempt to veto? The Yasashi Nihongo episode called That's What Yasashi Said. The Indian Migrant <laughs> in Tokyo episode titled A Delhi Ket Predicament, and that's Delhi as in the city. The Japanese horror episode titled Starry Stories. And the gay male culture episode titled Macho Macha Men. Okay, so the, you're tell, asking me which one was not vetoed. Yeah. Which one did I try? Oh, okay, the Macha Macha Man. 
Okay, Jake, for the steal, you have a chance to steal here. Would you like me to repeat the... Yes, yes, please. We, we, to repeat okay. the three, that we know that one of them is incorrect. So All of them became episode titles, but one of them, Bobby, okay. really oh, tried to the break. Okay. So, uh, okay, give, me, the, give, me my, give me the choices, because I'm... Okay, gonna, the, I'm the choices are the Yasashi Nihongo episode titled, That's What Yasashi Said, mm. <laughs> the Indian Migrant <laughs> in Tokyo episode titled, A Delhi Kit Predicament, and that's Delhi is in the city. And the Japanese horror episode titled Starry Stories. I, I'm going to say it's the New Delhi one. Okay, we're still knotted all up. Going into the final question, the answer <laughs> well, was Starry Stories. It was. Oh. It was a clever pun on Kaidan Banashi. Yeah, it was also because everybody hates getting stared at the Jiro Jiro Miraru Yadakara. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Right. He's reading levels into it that, that you hadn't even intended, Ollie. It further validates my excellent pun. <laughs> Last question, uh, Jake. Okay. When I am not working hard on this show, what do I do for my day job? You'll get credit if you get anywhere close to the correct answer. Is that you, Brian? Yeah, that's Did me, I'm Brian. What? Not the Brian in Fukuoka <laughs> listener. We all know what he does. The Brian in Fukuoka, <laughs> me, at my 2 yen. Twitter. Don't go on Twitter. Well, I don't. I don't so, think I sneak loose. So what do you? So the, well, the question is, what do you do when you're not hosting the show? What's, What's your job? job? That's right. I'm never hosting well, the show. Hosting but what? What do I do for my day job? Basically, <laughs> <laughs> throwing grenades. All right. Okay. Rochelle, um, I'm going to say you're a teacher. Okay. Oh, you get minus a million points. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she didn't say English teacher. I so didn't that's... say English teacher. I said it broadly. <laughs> she didn't say English teacher. So, the she teacher could also teacher. include okay, professor, did, but, right? Were you thinking English teacher? No, I was not, actually. I was just, I was thinking, you know, if there, there's so many different things that one could teach. I was I was trying to keep it open. Okay. If if you can get anywhere near close to the subject that he teaches, I think you Computer can science. Okay. Jake, do you want to try again? Anthropology. Oh, that's that's closer. That's closer. Closer than computer science. <laughs> History. Brian, put History. put us out of our misery. Say those magic two words. I'm a forensic toxicologist. Yes, please. Oh my god. So Ooh. if you if you said forensic an anthropologist, that would that would have been really close. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so you do you so you teach about forensic toxicology? Yes, I, I'm in the forensic medicine department at Fukuoka mm -hmm. University. Nice. So, I, so do, you, do, you, do you look up to how people, is this like a Quincy kind of thing? Like, this is how he was poisoned. Yes, exactly. If I was a 1970s TV show version of myself, <laughs> yes, it would be Quincy, exactly. <laughs> and, and we should reiterate that this is what he does when he's not <laughs> He doesn't do with them at the same time? <laughs> Most of the time I'm working hard on the show and then when I have time I go and be a forensic toxicologist and I can't. He's he's our go-to guy to find out why our jokes have died. <laughs> well that's pretty toxic. I have so, you know, I'm so, I'm a renaissance man. I have lots of <laughs> irons in the fire. So if Jake got that point, does that mean that we need to go to the tiebreaker? No one got that point. Well, no yeah. one got that point. I was close, so but not really uh, there. We were keeping them so at we'll 12. go to the tiebreaker, yeah. Uh, okay. okay. So this one is, whoever can answer 
the correct answer first will get the point. All right, so I'm going to say it. Who is most likely to quit the podcast first? Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> wow, they were unanimous, Bobby. Okay, it's a trick question because we're never quitting. Right, that's it then, Bobby. Brian, who only turns up every week on a goddamn soundboard, has now committed us to never quitting. <laughs> That uh, that was a fantastic, fantastic time. It was so much fun to do. Um, doing it live in Zoom, getting to see everybody's faces. You you guys should have seen Rochelle and Jake's faces when they found out that Brian was a forensic toxicologist. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's Jake's face <laughs> retreated so far into his neck, he looked like a turtle. <laughs> can, can I can I play the part right now of um of when I clarified with uh. With with Brian, yeah, yeah. whether he's actually a professor, let me just quickly play that. I did not say. I said te I said teacher because I wanted it to include professor. I was trying yes. to make it broad. A Kaiwa, we heard A Kaiwa. Brian is Brian a professor? Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> you are. Are you what? Why don't we respect you more, then? I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> I've been asking myself that question <laughs> since the beginning of this show. Right. So just to be absolutely clear, Brian is awesome, uh, and and we should respect him more. And Rochelle clearly won. Rochelle uh, knew more of the Rochelle's questions. The She's the winner. She's the best guest. But Jake Edelstein was clearly the best at Japanese Christmas. Yes. Because he was the only one who participated in a love hotel with his girlfriend wearing a bathrobe. I didn't know if we were allowed to say that, but we've said it now. <laughs> That's right. And the second the recording ended, like, we're talking the second Jake's laptop was very firmly shut uh, and we didn't hear from him uh, for a good four or five minutes. We So we recorded, I think that the whole thing, the recording took about 30 minutes. Uh, and then at one point he was just like, I'm done now. And he was just gone. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah. Uh, Rochelle is the best guest. Bobby, does this count as simping? I think it does. Yeah, uh, we never addressed that in the show itself. Um, Rochelle had put out some some tweet that just said she was doing some lecture or something and come listen to the lecture. And we retweeted it and said, she's a guest. She's a friend of the show. If you, if you can check it out, please do. And then some troll just was like, simp. Simp. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and can I say um, my favorite thing about this whole episode was, was the joke I wrote about... Uh, I'm now I'm sipping for myself here, but the joke that I wrote about uh, failed prime ministerial candidate Taro Kono and successful foreign entry band lobbyist Yuri Kageyama. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's very funny. Yeah, um, yeah, she's never coming on the show, now, is she? Right. Uh, if you enjoy this nonsense, this utter BS, uh, then this is our plea. This is our plea. We want to get to two hundred and fifty dollars a month of support on our Buy Me A Coffee page. And the reason we want to do that is that is how much it costs to produce the show. When we take into account the fact that we have to uh, help someone to do some of the editing uh, and our website costs and the hosting costs and uh, everything else that, that just goes into making the show, including like odd bits of expenses, like sometimes we ship microphones. On average, on a good month, we can do it for $250. We're paying that out of our own pockets, which we enjoy, but we also resent. Uh, so <laughs> what, we, what we would like you to do is uh, consider, humbly consider, supporting us for either a monthly membership or just pay for the whole year up front and you get a big discount. What that means is we know how much money we've got coming in each month, so we know 
uh, how we can plan the show mm. ahead. We genuinely enjoy doing the show for you. And it would be great to do things in the new year, like develop some new stickers, develop some new merchandise. And uh, when we hit that 250 a month goal, we're planning to do uh, monthly nomikais with our members. Exactly. So 250 is, is, is the benchmark. Hey, and you just know the moment we hit that, the goal is going to change to 500. So uh, the, so the sooner you the sooner you get to 250, the sooner you can start uh, hearing our more ambitious plans. So if uh, you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan by River Cruise. And on the right hand side, there's a there's two options for monthly membership. One, if you're a regular Brian. Two, if you're a rich Brian. If you're rich, please give us more money because that's how the world should work. If uh, you cannot afford the show, that's absolutely fine. It's always going to be free. We enjoy doing it for you. All we'd like, with one little small request, just for our own egos, is if you've enjoyed the show but you can't afford to give us any money, please just let us know. Um, because we know there's loads of you. <laughs> there's loads of you that <laughs> listen to this. Uh, we don't. We don't hear from you, and we're real people, and we would. Like we like it. We really like making friends with you guys. Send us a message, tweet at us, make sure you follow us. And uh, if you have any suggestions for somebody that you would like to hear us interview, or if you'd like to get in touch and, and you think you'd be good to, to be on the show, uh, we will um, politely tell you you're not if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we have had people reach out in the past who, who, who said, I want to come on and talk about this. And we've had them on as guests and it's been great. We've also had the opposite happen as well. So please understand <laughs> why if we keep our guard up, we keep our guard up. Um, right. That is, that is it. That is it. Before yes. we say thank you to everybody, uh, quickly from us, we're going to take a few weeks off uh, in the new year uh, while we just sort our goddamn lives out. Right. That's enough time spent on begging. Uh, just a reminder, we're doing giveaways. If you'd like to win one of the three fantastic prizes, either the book from Brian McNeil and Kilzer's Keen Kanji or the three merch sets that are available on the giveaway. All you have to do is find your favorite episode from this year or your favorite Twitter joke and share it with a recommendation for our show online. And don't forget to tag us in it. Uh, deadline is the end of this year, 2021. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed to make this show possible. Brian, Jake, Rochelle, Casey, and Joe, who did the music as well as the voices. Matthew Boynton, who did the English dub for uh, Taya-san. Bye, Phoebe, Faith, the mid-millennial from the show Accidental Kiss, who played Naomi Osaka. And Kilzer, Colonel Sanders, who played himself. The Kombini boys who wrote some questions. Thank you. We promise you won't hear from us again. And comedians Yuki Nives and Mishida. Please check them out in Tokyo if you get the chance. And a final thanks to you, Brian and Fukuoka, as the collective noun. We genuinely appreciate your support this year. Thank you ever so much. Look after yourself, and we'll see you in the new year. Happy holidays, everybody, and happy new year. Oh, oh, oh. 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 Oh, oh